Hello and welcome to this edition of the Australian Psychedelic Society podcast. I'm Sean and I volunteer for the Australian Psychedelic Society. The APS hosts integration circles, book clubs, film screenings and panels across Australia. It is our hope that in creating communities across Australia, we can better advocate for the decriminalisation of psychedelics and break stigmas associated with psychedelic use. If you'd like to know more about that, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. Links for that can be found in the metadata for this episode. And of course, please subscribe to this podcast. In this episode, I introduce you to the APS Vice President, Antonika Hoberg. Antonika recently had the opportunity to have a discussion with Monica Barrett, a Vice-Chancellor's Senior Research Fellow at RMIT University. Monica's research investigates psychoactive drug use in digital society. With particular interest in how digital technologies and the cultures they sustain are transforming long-standing social problems like illicit drug use. Monica's research crosses a variety of disciplines, including sociology, criminology, as well as epidemiology and public health. This is a great discussion that covers a broad scope, from the frustrations of legalization right over to parenthood and the psychedelic landscape. So allow me to introduce you to Antonika Hoberg and Monica Barrett. Welcome, Monica, and thank you so much for joining me. We've never spoken before this, which is so strange to me because when I first found Psychedelic six years ago, one of the first videos I came across, because I typed in Psychedelics Australia, and one of the first videos to come up was your EGA conference, and that was six years ago. So it's like a bit of an idle moment. Oh, well, that, that's wonderful and I'm glad I could have a positive effect on, on your journey in that way. And thanks for having me on the podcast. You're a research fellow at RMIT. You're the lead for the Global Drug Survey. You've written so many publications. I had a look. There's a lot. I didn't read them. but I no. <laughs> there's a lot. Pick and choose. But you're also a mother of two with one on the way. So. Yes. I would admit that when I was like, I want to talk to Monica, but I did not know what I wanted to talk to you about because I'm not really in the scope of the research that you do. I don't really read a lot of that sort of stuff. But then you shared that article the other day and it was called Psychedelic Motherhood, The Altered States of Birth by Lana Cook. Yeah, I've been reflecting for quite some time about, I guess, what are the intersections between the psychedelic experience and the experience of pregnancy, birthing, and then being a parent and the interactions that that, that is, how, how that feels on a day-to-day basis, you know, for what becomes, well, years of our lives. And, you know, my oldest is now eight. And so it's sort of like nine years actually since, you know, so first becoming pregnant with him and yep. then that, so, so going back, I guess, to that point. And before that time, I really had very little to do with pregnancy, birthing. I, I don't have any brothers and sisters. I I don't know. I just didn't, I wasn't part of scenes where there were lots of women having kids. So mm-hmm. I, I think the first, like in my 20s, I really wasn't around people that were birthing. Uh, you know, I had pre- preconceived ideas, I guess, from culturally about what 
birthing was and mm -hmm. you know I imagined okay this is a painful experience and it's very medicalized and you go to a hospital and there are obstetricians and so I think as I you know got further into this process and tried to work out well what hospital do I want to birth in what kind of birth do I want to have all these sorts of things yeah. and ended up much more inclined to you know and, and supporting myself to have a natural birth and that was I think in part it was informed by the fact that with my experience at the time in the drugs world I was already aware of you know, hormones like oxytocin I was aware of how you know actually there's some research showing that if you when you take mdma humans or in rat research animal research you know they measure these increased amounts mm -hmm. of oxytocin hormone um as well as you know the release of serotonin that we're aware of there uh and you know it's the love hormone now this is the hormone that makes birthing happen it's the hormone that makes breastfeeding happen it's the hormone that is the dance the dance of the hormones for birthing so you know, it's the hormone that is synthetically produced to induce birth. So I, I kind of went, whoa, okay. So that loved up feeling when you're on MDMA is that that's what that's what could possibly happen during birth if it was orchestrated correctly, if 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 all of the right things are in place. And then potentially that's gonna have a massive effect on how how you can handle the transformative experience of actually birthing given what your body has to do in order to actually make that happen. So I guess it was all around that time where I was like, oh, there's something connected between these events. Very soon thereafter, I thought about the experiences that I'd had with psychedelics. And, and so I guess that goes to what were those? And, you know, I wouldn't call myself, you know, if I have to count up the number of psychedelic experiences I've had of the classical psychedelics, there's actually not that many. I'm not someone who's spent, I don't know, hundreds of hundreds of experiences. It's probably in the tens. Um, but some of those experiences, a lot of them were really hard in a bodily sense because they were just so, I could feel, you know, like it's LSD or it's psilocybin or I could just sort of feel everything mm. in my body so intensely and it was just sometimes that would make me vomit. And, and that was kind of a little bit like how pregnancy first felt for me when I was first pregnant. I felt like everything was so heightened, but not to the extreme sense that maybe a good strong dose of LSD would do. Mm -hmm. But of course, it was much longer term, it's sort of eight to nine months of one's life, some low level psychedelic experience, but that meant everything was much more intense. Yes. And even I... now I feel it, you know, as, yeah. as a currently pregnant person, like it's, I'm, I'm, I haven't had any caffeine, alcohol, other drugs or it, it, anything. And yet I feel a very, it's almost like I, that there is a endogenous psychedelic in my system. That's how it feels. Um, like there's an endogenous psychedelic that's just floating around in my system right now and has something to do with my pregnancy. And I'd love to talk to like people that might understand the chemistry behind that. Uh, personally, I found the birthing experience very much like a psychedelic experience with the nausea and the vomiting and my body went into shock. I wish I knew what I knew now about myself because mm. I hadn't used psychedelics. Yeah, I think my whole experience would have been very different. And I guess just, just sort of related to what you've just said, can we help prepare young women for this future potential role not every woman has a baby but if they the might have is. one in the future mm -hmm. and if they don't it's still positive 
through carefully curated psychedelic experiences, some mm-hmm. kind of process that have some kind of safety oversight there. And obviously, if we think about the way that different psychedelics are being trialed in, in medical ways, then, you know, it's not so crazy to think mm-hmm. that you could actually develop a kind of psychedelic experience to help them to do that stuff now so in that it, it prepares them yeah. for the transformative potential of their bodies in this process, in this little dance. I hope it does happen. And how has your experiences influenced the way that you parent? I mean, I think part of it's also helping you you sort of see the playful side of life as well and not be always Mm -hmm. working. Like I work really hard and I don't get enough time to just play and experience life or maybe I don't make enough time to do mm-hmm. that it's always up to me how much time I make for it but you know I think go actually going and saying this substance we're going to take it at this time we've got all these things sorted out around yeah. that port it uh actually also provides you with that time now in the current situation you know I can't do that no when a lot of women have children or they're pregnant or they give birth or for the years afterwards many of them uh, have a loss of identity essentially like part of yourself goes missing and all you're doing is everything for someone else so there's this idea that we lose a little of identity did you struggle with that after having children and has uh, psychedelics or your psychedelic experiences helped you reform your identity around that um, and how do you think that that works how do you think that that helps us rebuild who we are from there I think our children push all our buttons they it's like they're perfectly designed to push yeah. our particular buttons as as parents so if there's stuff that you haven't dealt with yet that mm. you need to that they will not necessarily force you to deal with it because what you could do is just put that off and yeah. kind of almost take it out back on them. And, and that yeah. that's that struggle that I think we've all been aware of where we think, oh, I never meant to do that yelling or I never meant to mm. treat him like that. But, you know, he's pushed my buttons and now, and it's like, oh, he's pushed my buttons. I need to learn how to manage those things before the pushing of the buttons. Yes. So through through, you know, whether that's through you know, traditional psychotherapy or, you know, other mental health or enhanced through psychedelics or both or combinations of all of those things, then, you know, that's um, just the the attentiveness to your own self-growth. You know, it could be that you're doing a parenting course that involves journaling. That could be the reason why you, you, you get to understand that. But psychedelics as tools can enhance and potentially get through some of those um you know, especially if there's trauma, but also, uh, yeah, stuff that just can be hard to just do on your own. Yeah, I love that. I think it was a Rosalind Watts non-specific amplifier. So if used in the context that you are in that improvement space in a psychedelic experience, you do have to stop trying to control the experience. You actually have to sit back and, and, and just allow it to happen. And that, again, is what you have to do in childbirth. You know, and I think it will have a bit to do with how Australia's political situation goes as mm. well, that there's there's that to consider. Having said that, there's not one side of politics that supports or does not support 
yeah. psychoalexis medicine. So it's interesting to see that you've got support uh, across different corridors of um, power. But yeah, it, it's a slower process here. You know, I was, you know, in some ways disappointed that we, we don't have a change, for example, in the TGA mm. um, ruling. Having said that, I was also quite happy about it because it's it, it does, we do need so much more infrastructure in Australia to get this off the ground, yep. safe uh, way. So while, of course, on the other hand, there's all these people doing it anyway in an yes. unsupervised fashion, unmedically supervised fashion. Exactly. So there's, there is sort of tension between, well, okay, we want to make sure that the trials and the, the provision of medically supervised psychedelic, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy is all done really well um, in Australia and that we've got enough people trained up to do it. I mean, what I would hope is that, you know, that experience of those people you talked about and some that I know as well, who, you know, are currently registered as psychologists and other health professionals, but are not in a position to talk about either their current or their past use of these substances because there is the threat of being deregistered and that's a real threat. And we, we have people in our networks have been deregistered for the use of substances that are illegal. Mm -hmm. So it is not an unfounded threat. So, you know, there's a lot of work, as you'd be aware of the pathway you're now on, Yes, <laughs> it would be putting at risk. So, so something needs to change there. Um, yeah, and that might be obviously what needs to change is the legal status of the drugs. But yeah. you know, it could be that that doesn't change, but something changes at the level of these registration bodies. You know, a lot of parents, when they're thinking about psychedelics, what they're concerned about is, you know, their children maybe in a few years' time, or if they're already teenagers you know, how can they protect them from drug use that might yeah. cause them harm? And, that you know, I, I mean, I've met bereaved parents at Coronial Inquiry. I mean, this is this is a shocking thing to do, to be. be meeting that person and to think that, you know, from one night out, from one festival, their child is no longer with them. Like, it just is just mm -hmm. quite heartbreaking. Um, and, you know, it, you know, in many of those inquests, it, it's literally been not the drug itself. I mean, you know, there's one example I can think of where this poor girl, um, you know, she took, she'd already taken one MDMA cap and then she took two more in the line because she saw the police. Yes. You know, and it's like she yes. was scared. She got Unavoidable. scared. She didn't want to get arrested. She didn't want the shame and the stigma of having those capsules on her. She could have dropped them, but that would have been wasting a lot of money. You can yes. see where, and it's it's a very, it's a quick decision. And she's 17, she's taken three, invariably actually ended up being quite strong, too right. strong. Um, and that was that was an overdose. That was an overdose yeah. of MDMA. So that that can happen. Um, so, that. yeah, I mean, I think, so to me, as a parent, thinking about your children and psychedelic use or any other drug use, keeping the conversation open, like, to me, that's the number one thing. Yeah. I mean, if your children grow up thinking that if they tell you about their interest in or their use of drugs, you will disown them and chuck them out of the house. They're not going to tell you about it, are they? No. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what you want because you don't want to know about it. But the thing is, if that's actually a thing for them and they need help, then you're not going to be the person they come to. And yeah, so I, I, I mean, I guess it's, I am in a privileged position here because, you know, drugs, the word drugs, I mean, I remember my three-year-old 
two-year-old, you know, how young they were. Drugs, drugs. You always talk about drugs. <laughs> what's, drugs? what's drugs? What's drugs? You know. What's this so, psychedelic society thing? Yeah. What's what's psychedelic? Yeah. All that stuff. So yeah. we've sort of we're in a different position to many parents who might not, you know, be doing that kind Open of conversation, me. and you know, yeah. so it it's. I think it's been about talking, talking about it, but also nothing to do with drugs is keeping the connection open with your child, like keeping the connection that you have yes. as a parent. If it remains open, then your child understands on a daily basis that you love them no matter what, like literally no matter what they do. They could do the worst thing in the world and you will they still could, be there for them. They could do drugs. Literally. They could. <laughs> they could do drugs and, if and you'll they, still be yeah, there. That's right, and yeah. and also, if they call you at three a.m., you're gonna you're gonna go pick them up. You're gonna, you're right. gonna help. You know, like you yeah. will do that, yeah. and you won't be angry with them. I mean, you might have some questions for them the next morning, but you know, you will you will help them because you love them. And so all of that stuff to me is important too, uh, which is goes way beyond drugs, doesn't it? It's it's just oh. about life thank you so much for talking thank to you me. very much so for today. talking with me too <laughs> yeah you're welcome Thank you again for being with us here on the Australian Psychedelic Society podcast. If you would like any more information or to sign up at our newsletter, please check us out at psychedelicsociety.org.au. I'm Sean, a volunteer for the APS, and we will see you again in the next one.